What is up? I hope you guys are having a great summer, uh, enjoying yourselves in the sunshine or maybe the rain, depending on where you're at, I guess. But um, wanted to talk with you guys today about podcast today. The episode we have is with Tina Tatum. Uh, I had a great conversation with her, great interview, um, and her and her husband are involved in a ministry that deals with something that is extremely serious and and is on the rise. I mean, it's unbelievable how just terrible um, the thing that they were trying to reach out is is happening around us um, that you may even see and just not realize it, actually. Um, But it is human trafficking, um, in particular, uh, specifically sex trafficking. And one of the things that, at least for me, is... That when I think of sex trafficking, I think, oh, it's that's that's not in the United States. That's outside of the states. That's not uh, exactly something that is in the U.S. However, when you look at prostitution, when you look at um, when there's a pimp involved, um, things like that, that is sex trafficking. That is exactly what that is. And so I began to think about this concept of. Um, women, and a lot of times it's women, sometimes it can be men, um, but mostly it's women. And I began to think about this concept of women just being treated like trash, Um, just something that's disposable, something that is undervalued extremely. And there's no way, no way God designed it to be that way. There's no way that happened. And I began to think about it. I began to think about um, my wife and began to think about if someone were to talk to her like somebody talks to some of these women, if someone were to treat her like someone who treats some of these women, I would be absolutely furious because that's my girl. And when we begin to think about these women that are going through this, they're someone's daughter. And, you know, and, and a lot of times um, these pimps, uh, these different mobs or mafias that will even get involved with it, they're looking at these women who are vulnerable, um, these women who are, are portrayed as weak, and they will prey on them. And when they do this, it's a horrible thing. God never intended for this to be this way. It never intended for uh, women to be viewed like this. They are treasures. They are jewels. They, they are to be treated like queens. Now, I'm not advocating, oh, women are better than men sort of thing, but I am saying that we should treat them with, with the respect that they deserve. They are a heir to the king. They are a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and and are to be treated as such. So when we look at this situation with the interview today, uh, it it blew me away. Some of the statistics statistics that she gave, it just, it it broke my heart. Absolutely broke my heart. That being said, I urge you, drastically urge you, please, if for nothing else, take a look at the websites, get involved, please be praying about it, because this is something that is absolutely tragic that is happening in the U.S. Not just, I mean, it's happening 
everywhere else as well. But in the United States, this is taking place. It's taking place in your town. So I urge you, drastically urge you, please, please be praying for these women and and men. Uh, We want them all to be delivered. Please be praying for them. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview today. Uh, it, it, it informed me immensely. I, I had no idea how, how drastic these things were. Um, but uh, after hearing this, I mean, I just, man, if, you, if you're not moved to try and at least be praying for this, something's wrong, man. So uh, it's our interview with Tina Tatum today. Hope you guys enjoy it. Let's start the show. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> you got me straight up tripping, boo. You dipping and dapping and don't know what's happening. They was grabbing hankies, waving blankies. They was running them aisles up in there. I respect your opinion, but you're wrong. Thanks for joining us today. Um, we have the wonderful Tina Tatum with us today, and uh, we are excited to speak with her about the ministry that she is involved in. Uh, thanks for being with us today, Tina. Thank you for having me. So, um, on our podcast, we like to look at different types of ministries, ministries that are not necessarily the norm, um, and you were recommended to me by my brother and sister-in-law, and uh, they told me about a ministry that you're involved in um, that has to deal with um, sex trafficking and, and human trafficking, things like that. Um, what is the name of the ministry that you're involved in? The name of the ministry is R3, okay. the movement. R is in rescue. R3, the movement. Okay. And is, does the three have a significance? It does. Um, and actually, R3 is a chemistry term I found out after the fact. R3 actually is a term that means potential for explosive power. Um, but yeah, and so it has a lot of meaning there with the power of the Holy Spirit and, and what we feel like we're called to do. But the R3 represents uh, three R's in the ministry uh, mission, which is to reach, rescue, and redeem. Awesome. Um, those affected by human trafficking, but also those affected by um, extreme poverty and just destitution, because oftentimes that opens the doors to um, to people being trafficked or doing things we wouldn't normally do for money. Sure, absolutely. Now, how long have you been involved in this ministry? Um, well, probably myself, uh, formerly, formerly in the ministry about two years. Um, my husband, Alan, who we are co-founders, um, he has been, he has 20 years background in law enforcement, uh, 16 with the FBI, um, and, and that kind of lay dormant when he transitioned out of law enforcement into the ministry, um, and God just reawakened all of his skill sets and everything he'd been trying to do a couple of years ago. So we have been heading full steam into this issue um, only for the last two years that um, God has just really accelerated our ability to reach rescue and redeem and our ability um, 
because of his background, his training, and obviously just the season of uh, God's open door and, and this atrocity, uh, not just in our nation, but in the nations of the earth. Wow, that's that's pretty cool. And so, so he has a major background in um, finding people <laughs> um, and yeah. knowing what to look for, things like that. Um, now, what you guys have been, so it sounds like you guys have been, he's been kind of, it's almost like uh, if you look at it, he's almost been preparing for this ministry um, for quite a while. And then you guys launched two, two years ago or so. Um, mm-hmm. What prompted you guys to, you know, to go, hey, I, this is, you know, this is obviously a major issue. Um, what What prompted you guys to go, let's look into starting a ministry that can like look to help people to solve this to to bring awareness and things like that right well there's people who have been in it much longer than we have and bringing awareness much longer than we have but one of the main issues that uh, brought us and just put us head steam into it is the fact that we have a daughter and when I sure. began to hear the statistics about um, it just um, chokes me up just even begin to share some of the statistics as we have a moment to do that that the, at the average age, uh, that children are um, enticed and engaged into uh, specifically sex trafficking in the United States of America. The average age of a child being prostituted um, for girls is between the ages of 11 and 13. Oh, wow. And for boys, the average age is 11. Um, we don't hear a lot about boys, but um, it's on the increase with all the perversion that's running rampant in our world today. Um, but that, um, just having a daughter and hearing that, um, you know, Proverbs 31, 8 and 9 says this, and when we just believe the word and live by it, um, I came across this scripture about the same time I was beginning to see a lot of these ministries arise, hearing a lot about what was going on right here in our nation. Um, Proverbs 31, 8 and 9 says, To seek up for those who cannot speak for themselves, ensure yeah. justice for those being crushed. Yes, seek up for the poor and the helpless and see that they get justice. Um, I read that as a New Living Translation one day, and it was all about the same time. Um, we got a phone call from a friend out of state um, that had just been praying for us and, and said that um, she just had this um, uh, knowing, if you will, or a word from the Lord during prayer um, regarding Alan um, that she had showed him that, um, that God had showed her that God had raised him up like a Moses in Pharaoh's house. Um, to be a deliverer for many, and she didn't really know what that meant at the time. We recognized it immediately as uh, Pharaoh's house being the federal government and, and all of his law enforcement background and training yeah. and being used like a deliverer um, to, you know, to speak up for those who do not have a voice. And, you know, Jesus told us the least we do to one of these, we've done unto him. So just the atrocity, it really began to hit home very closely, knowing, you know, that we have a daughter, uh, we have nieces and nephews, and and there's a future generation, and we just know that we couldn't keep silent, and we couldn't hide our skill set that could make a difference in this area. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That's a staggering statistic. Yeah. That young. That's absolutely unbelievable. Um, and I, I think, I, I don't know, and this is just, I was trying to look at this and trying to do, think of uh, different things I can ask you, but typically when I think of, um, sex trafficking, things like that. I'm thinking overseas, you know, Europe and things like that. I, I don't, I don't necessarily think 
in the United States, but it's on on the growing. It's growing here. Um, it's on the rise here. Um, what what are do you get, do you have any like statistics that's happening in the U.S. and things like that? I I was kind of blown away that it was even happening here. I mean, it's, I never think of that here. Absolutely, and, and we don't. And it, and I'm going to share some of these numbers, but they are so overwhelming and so over the top. You could feel like, how could I possibly make a difference? Yeah. Uh, I felt the overwhelming uh, sense of the numbers in itself. But we have to remember, we serve a God, and nothing is impossible with Him. And so, right. um, even though I'm going to share these numbers, it's not really about the numbers. It's about souls. It's about precious sons and daughters. And so, um, so that's what the Lord had to keep bringing me back to is the reality is, is it's about humans, it's about human beings, it's about um, reaching just one. If we could save and reach just one out of this. Um, I will say before I roll through some of the, the stats, um, there's a documentary called In Plain Sight. Um, and you can look that up, you can look on YouTube, uh, Google it, In Plain Sight. It is a uh, amazingly staggering about 45-minute documentary. Yeah. Uh, about sexual exploitation specifically in the United States. So it really puts some faces and, and puts them up, up, up close and personal um, if, you'll, if any of your uh, listeners want to take a look at that. Yeah. Um, but um, the statistics are in the U.S. that one in three runaways um, will be affected by human trafficking within 72, 72 hours of leaving home. Oh, my um, You know, there are predators out there that are just watching. Um, and, and, you know, now uh, our kids don't even have to leave home to be um, affected by predators because of social media, because of access to the internet around the world. They hold it in their hands in the form of a smartphone. Um, It's just so accessible. Um, There's a statistic that every day, there's an average of 300,000 images of child pornography that go across the internet. Now that's globally, um, but if you can only imagine, I mean, these phones we hold in our hands, the pictures that we think are so cute that are posted on Facebook or on social media uh, in the wrong hands um, could be used for exploitation at any point in time. Um, 2,200 children go missing every day in the United States. Now, not all of those fall into or or will be utilized um, um, in the area of trafficking, but it's a staggering statistic. Um, Traffickers generate about $9.5 billion in revenue every year in the United States. That's billion with a B. Uh, billion with a B. Oh uh, human trafficking in the United States um, is second now to legal arms trade by organized crime. It's their passion drugs, okay? Because drugs, if, if they sell a kilo or whatever of cocaine, once it is utilized, once it's used, it's gone. A human body, unfortunately, as disgusting as it sounds, is a renewable resource. Wow. You know, a child or a woman can turn up to 30... Um, times a day uh, and make thousands of dollars in one 24-hour period uh, for their pimp or for their boyfriend. Most of them will call them their boyfriend. They won't use the terminology pimp. Um, approximately 300,000 children we've determined, um, or Polaris uh, Project has determined that children are at risk for being prostituted in the U.S. Um, and I, I shared the statistic of the average age. Um, average pimps in the U.S. can make, um, on average, $200,000 per child, per person, per human being. Um, you know, most cities um, that are prostituted um, 
and in, in the U.S., um, one individual can turn 20 to 48 sexual encounters per day, um, averaging about $1,000 a day. And the life expectancy of these, of these individuals who are in human trafficking is cut so short because, you know, no one stays in that. No one can handle that kind of abuse on their body no. without uh, being medicated. So there's always drug addiction, you know, um, the second time, um, you know, you're exposed to methamphetamine, the second time you use a methamphetamine, you're an addict. Uh, so there are forms of, of enticement, coercion, you know, that these people who exploit um, use. I want to share another statistic that um, one of the things we're working towards and working with organizations right now, there are fewer than 100, just 100, and we just shared the thousands and billions, but there's fewer than 100 beds available today for survivors of of sex trafficking. Mm. There are fewer than 100 beds available, and there's only about 530 beds total in the United States um, available for specifically when they are rescued out of trafficking. And you think of the hundreds of thousands. So there's great organizations that are coming around that um, that are looking to have facilities that can minister to the whole person, spirit, soul, and body. These are not just individuals who come out and can go to, into a homeless shelter or who can go into someone's home. They have a whole level, so many layers of issues that are being dealt with. They have such a victim and a scarcity mentality. Um, and, you know, the def- actually the actual definition of what trafficking is, um, and let's clarify that, because oftentimes we think of sex trafficking as a woman, uh, what we see as a prostitute maybe walking down the Sunset Strip. Maybe, you know, that's the kind of imagery a lot of times we get in our minds. Uh, and I do want to clarify some terminology. Is you know, a woman is not a prostitute. She has been prostituted. No child grows up and says, "Hey, I want to become a prostitute when I grow up." That sounds like a great career path. Yeah, they never have you them know, come in on job fair day or anything. Yeah, exactly. No one says, "Hey, you know, I'd really like to get in the porn industry when I grow up." That yeah. looks like a lot of fun. No, no girl thinks I want to swing on that pole and have men gawk at me and do. No young girl who is in a healthy, loving, nurturing environment, would ever, created in the image of God, would ever want to be abused or hurt. These women, who are now women, usually come out of, and we're seeing the staggering statistics, um, out of um, situations that are horrific. They were abused as children. It started out as being a child or being molested or sexually abused. Um, you know, a lot of them come out of the foster care system, and when they age out, uh, oftentimes have nowhere to go, um, and so they find themselves on the street, and they find themselves exposed to being, um, you know, doing what they need to do to make the money to provide for the day. I think it's just going to get them by for a little bit, and, and, and then before you know it, they're addicted, they're being exploited, and there's no getting out uh, for many of them. But the definition of actual trafficking are victims um, who are either, either giving um, receiving something in value. It could be clothing, food, shelter. It could be money. That any person under the age of 18, this is specifically the word trafficking, under the age of 18 who is being exploited or utilized for sexual benefit um, for any value that is under the age of 18, and it does not require force, fraud, or coercion. So it doesn't, so any person under the age of 18 that is being forced for sexual exploitation purposes, you know, 
a traffic victim can be someone who's, whose mother is a you know meth addict who allows someone who's going to supply her meth means you know to take advantage of their child. Hmm. I mean, she's now a trafficker. Yeah. You know, so it's not just the pimps we think of out on the street. That's how it hits so much closer um, to home in the United States of America. So when I think of, I guess. You know, I, I think a lot of times we use the terminology um, pimp, and and I guess in my mind, I, I never clicked to me, they're, they're trafficking. Because I guess for me, like, trafficking it has a much bigger what have you, but really, I mean, based on those numbers that you're telling me, um, I mean, and it's not, like you said, it's not just the pimps, but the guys that are pimps that have, you know, multiple... Uh, women or or men, I guess, um, that are under them. That that is, you know, we look at that as as prostitution, but really, that that's yes, it's called that, but almost that is that is sex trafficking. That is what that actually is, and I've never put that. I guess in my mind, those two were two separate things. Really, it's the same thing. It's and so a lot of times. And I've I've watched documentaries, things like that. A lot of times, like you said, the from what I've seen is that they'll they'll almost prey on the weak, um, or things like that. Of you know, the women that don't have good self esteem, um, low self worth, things like that, and they'll prey on them. And you know, then it turns abusive a lot of times, and drugs are involved and things like that. Um, but yeah, I just and I think a lot of times. We almost use the word pimp as a positive thing. You know, oh, that guy's a pimp or something like that. And, wow, how, how different we should use our terminology with that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, a lot of times, that, I mean, there's different, again, it's not the guy that's, you know, in the hoodie over in the corner or Guido with the chains around his neck necessarily. Um, it, there is high-level organized crime, obviously, where that happens. But you have the, the Romeo pimp, the ones who, who refer to that as, as the, the young man who gives the young girl who does have the self-esteem issues, who, who he sees on Facebook always posting the selfies, always needing to glamorize herself, will begin to prey on someone they see as isolated uh, and be that boyfriend. You know, buying, it doesn't start out as an issue of them exploiting them for, for, for personal gain but can start out as building a relationship with them as the older boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Okay? And then all of a sudden it comes, well, you know, we need, we really need the money. Could you help me out with this with my, you know, with my friends? You know, and then before you know it, they've got them in an in a, in addiction state. They've got them fulfilling uh, what they feel like is owed to them. Um, we've got Romeo Pence. There is one of the most disgusting things I've read and come across actually in the state of Mississippi, a firsthand um, from another ministry, a firsthand testimony. Um, are the grandmother pimps, are, are the women who are out there who are much older than you and I, who are running drug rings, sex trafficking rings, who are bringing in these girls off the street um, as a mentoring type situation or yeah. loving them, but they are running rings that are, that are producing money um, and that are producing all sorts of things. Um, so it's not just your stereotypical in the United States. Now, there is a huge organized crime arena for that as well. 
So I'm not minimizing that, but I'm trying to bring it back down to home where people don't just think, well, that's only happening in L.A. or, you know, in, in New York and in places like that. Because one of the hubs for sex trafficking uh, transportation in the area is Atlanta, Georgia. You know, okay. we don't think about, especially Allison, I'm from the South, so we don't think about that a lot. But every state has their hub. You know, Atlanta is an international airport. You can have someone, you very seldom fly about anywhere out of the United States almost where you don't connect through Atlanta anymore. Yeah, that's true. The, yeah, and so, um, and so uh, the, the airports there, they're used for transporting um, and things of that nature. But, you know, you just places that you don't think of that we really need to be aware. And, and we posted recently on our Facebook page of some of the rec- to recognize the signs. You know, not all the signs that we have listed here, listed here necessarily mean someone's being trafficked. But if we would just be aware, and that's one of the things that we're called to do in our reach aspect of R3, uh, reaching not only those affected, but reaching um, this generation and reaching this nation to and to bring more awareness that we need to be aware of what's going on with our children. Um, this summer we're doing a couple uh, Internet safety workshops. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, bringing awareness and, and education to our preteens and teens and their parents on social media and Internet, how to lock down their systems and, and what to look for. And so that's all in the awareness area. And if we can open eyes and not only reach those and pull those out who are being affected, but, you know, that's kind of a reactive stance, the ones who are already engaged or who have already been exploited. If we can, you know, if we can prevent, if we can be more proactive than always so reactive. So we put a lot of our energies into being proactive in, in awareness and advocacy. So hopefully if we, if we could prevent one child, if we could prevent one girl from, you know, identifying who they are, establishing them in their identity as a cherished, beloved daughter, as accepted in the beloved, as created from their mother's womb with purpose, that God knew every day in their life before one of them was lived. If we could establish young women and girls in that and get mentoring programs going where these at-risk teens have a place to go, um, you know, just an ounce of prevention, um, you know, goes a long way. Absolutely. Well, now you had mentioned... um some of the signs that this is going mm-hmm. on can you can you share some of the signs that you know that we should sure. people should be looking for uh when this is happening absolutely uh, we just posted matter of fact i think uh, july 7th we did a post called recognizing the signs uh, on r3 the movement on facebook and some and, and we're talking okay, we're talking about human trafficking trafficking overall so there's labor trafficking and then there's sex trafficking Okay. Um, and so, so, but, uh, so we're going to go through the telltale signs on some of these, and they could, uh, you know, equate in any of these areas. And let me say this about uh, labor trafficking. Just because you go to a Mexican restaurant or a nail salon or somewhere like that, we are not trying to stereotype any of these locations um, that have minority and um, a high turnover in labor. doesn't mean that they're all engaged in labor trafficking, but if we can be aware of some of these signs, um, we certainly maybe could make a difference in a lot yeah, absolutely. of people. Um, okay, so some of the signs in common work uh, are common work and living conditions. Uh, if an individual is not free to leave and come and go as they wish. Um, in the commercial sex industry, if they have a pimp, a manager, or, um, you know, their boyfriend. Um, a lot of times in sex trafficking, um, in the sex industry, um, they use very um, specific markings, tattoos. You'll see a name tattooed across the chest in very large letters, maybe red. 
um, some, and, 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 and again, this gets into more of the gang and the organized crime. There are specific markings um, that you could recognize. Um, if an individual is paid very little or, or not paid at all for their, for their um, services and labor, um, uh, an individual who could possibly work excessively long hours or unusual hours, um, not allowed breaks, this is in labor trafficking side, um, owes a large debt of money and is unable to pay it off. Uh, maybe was cr- recruited through, you know, false promises. Uh, an individual who has high security measures taken on them. There's always someone watching. You know, um, they they're highly sophisticated, and even though you may not see their quote unquote managers, pimps, or or um, bosses, um, they're all they're always seeing you. They're all these uh, women are always being watched. Um, another indicator can be poor mental um, health. Um, poor physical health, um, very feel fearful, anxious, nervous, paranoid. Um, a lot of times these girls deal with um, uh, dissociative um, identity, you know, like personality uh, conflict. We used to call it a multiple personality disorder. Now it's dissociative uh, disorder where one day they're this personality and the next day they're another personality. Yeah. Um, and again, someone can have a chemical imbalance. You could, they could be bipolar. They could have all. It doesn't always necessarily mean. But these are some key indicators. You might find absolutely all of these involved. If you find this whole entire list engaged in someone, um, someone who avoids eye contact, um, poor health um, situations, um, has very lack of control or is very isolated. Um, you know. They, they lose sense of time and awareness. They really, because a lot of these, if think about a girl who is run away from home, say 12 to 14 years of age, and their developmental process. A lot of times at the time of the trauma, at the time of the abuse, their development stops. Yeah. You might find a woman who's being prostituted, and by now, you know, she's not 18, so she's in the traffic, she's being prostituted. She's, you know, 20, 22 years old. But she will have the mentality of a 14 or 16 year old because their development literally stops at that point of trauma. And they're obviously not being educated. I yeah. mean, not only does, does their intellectual um, development stop, but their relational, their social ability, all of that stops. You'll see one who is, who is at a different age but is very much immature and has had these signs of abuse and, and neglect um, is a huge indicator of something could have been going on with and then being trafficked or prostituted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Now, okay, let's say that we see these signs, um, that it's more than more than just one or two. We're, we're putting things together um, right. and we're going, you know, I, we're not for sure, but it's leaning towards that, that direction. Um, what are some things that, you know, we can do um, to help that person or to I mean I obviously if they're being watched uh, very heavily right. we're not going to just go up to them and start talking necessarily and say hey want to get you out of this kind of thing what are some of the things that we we can do to potentially help them well you can uh, uh, women specifically um, can begin because obviously Alan are in this together but any face-to-face contact or individual ministry that goes on happens woman to woman you know, obviously, um, a man's not going to approach a woman, one, because they're going to believe every time the man has an ulterior agenda, 
Yeah. And if they are being watched, which they probably are, it's going to immediately throw a red flag that a man should not be talking to, uh, you know, this woman without the the pimp or someone knowing, and they could actually uh, be beat or harmed when they get back uh, just for talking to a man without producing income. Mm. Um, so, so what we can do is become begin to become aware of this. Um, we go out on a regular basis and just take goodie bags out to these women in specific hotel areas where we know they are, uh, strip clubs. Um, and we just take these goodie bags that have personal hygiene items in them, lotions, and a prayer card. Um, things that they wouldn't normally get given for themselves. And a lot of times a trafficker, they don't see little church groups as a as a threat. <laughs> you know, as a matter of fact, they, they look at it as one less thing they have to buy for the girls. Um, so begin to develop, develop, um, develop a relationship. Just, you know, just be Jesus. Just love them. Um, where they are, obviously don't put yourself in a compromising situation. Sure. Um, but another thing you can do is, um, because that will begin to build trust, when they realize that someone is there to just show unconditional love and expect nothing in return, you know, a lot of times it takes a long time to build those kind of relationships. But um, just being kind to someone to let them know that there is hope, that there are different people out there. Not everyone's there to take advantage of them. Yeah. Um, can go a long way because, you know, one plants the seed, another waters, and God brings the increase. So any portion we can do of showing the goodness of God that can draw someone out. Um, another thing you can do is um, the National Human Trafficking Resource Center. Um, their phone number, let me plug it here, I'll do it again at the end as well, is one eight eight eight. 373-7888. You can call and you can, uh, you know, voice your concerns. Let them know where you're from. There's a a network of agencies as well as NGO, which is what we would be considered a non-governmental agency organization, Mm -hmm. um, who they have on a roster or a list in those areas um, that they can turn the information over to as follow-up. And, of course, if you see immediate danger, call 911. You know, yeah. if you see someone being beat, uh, dragged into a car, you know, I mean, just obviously something that would be 911. Um, we don't want to create a conspiracy theory. You know, we don't want to go into everywhere we go with our eyes open to that. But I think we have in our culture been so desensitized to what abuse and neglect and things of this nature look like just because of the graphic things we see on television. I mean, good Lord, our boys are growing up with blowing heads off, literally just about rape and pornography on their Xbox. You know, I mean, they're growing up with seeing such graphic imagery. And that, that it's okay. Somewhat, and that it's okay, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, and that women are, you know, and that women are possessions. I mean, we would think in the modern, you know, uh, nation in this generation that we live in, but that women are still seen as something that is to be possessed, you know, um, bodies are not meant to be sold and to be possessions or to be treated like that. But, but they see the imagery, so there's a rewiring, a refiring of the brain that goes off. Um, and I'll tell you one other thing that we can do. I'm going to speak to the men. My husband usually does this portion, but since he wasn't available to be with us on the phone. You know, there is, at my background, I have a major in marketing. We understand the supply and demand concept. Mm-hmm. If there were no demand, there would be no need for the supply. Yeah. It's the Johns. We talked about the pimps, but the Johns. Those are the men that are going to be serviced, okay? Those are the ones who are taking advantage. Pornography, absolutely. 
fuels the sex trafficking industry. Oh, yeah. And it is available 24 7, 365 on the internet, everywhere we go. I mean, we've got to put on filters just from keeping things from popping up. And we got soft porn on, you know, uh, commercials these days on the television, you know? Yeah. Um, and so if there's no demand, there's no need for the supply. And so I just, you know, speak to men to say, you know, these young women are daughters. They're, they're, they're children, you know, um, and we're working hard here in our state. We, we serve on the governor's task force on human trafficking. We're working hard to see legislation crack down on the Johns. You know, if, these, if situations like this, most of the time it's the girl when they're arrested, when a bust is made. The, the pimps, the organized crime leaders, they're far from the, from the place of being seen. It's usually the girls that are being arrested for prostitution and for drugs. And that's, we're working hard to get education into our law enforcement academies, into, um, with our judges of the laws. But if, if, if we begin to have legislation and laws that crack down on the parent, on the Johns and handle those crimes of, of utilizing these young girls for sexual exploitation, if we crack down on those crimes like we do a DUI and we handle them in civil court, if their car is repossessed or they have a $5,000 fine and their wives are going to want to know what's going on. Um, but if we could get to our young boys and keep them from getting into pornography, I mean, pornography is absolutely proven to rewire the way your brain fires. It's like cocaine. I mean, it absolutely rewires and it gives a complete false imagery of what God created sex to be about within the marriage bed, a beautiful expression to something that that is no longer realistic and will never be fulfilled by a woman and then it just becomes more and more you know extreme more and more violent and that's why a lot of times these john johns have to go and look for uh because of pornography they're no longer being satisfied in their own homes they have to go to extreme measures to satisfy what is being ignited in their mind um of what sex is really about so if we could dry up the demand and, and that's why we work a lot on prevention and, um, you know, awareness about what pornography does to the mind and how pornography opens up as a gateway. It's like a gateway drug, if you will. Yeah. I mean, it's a gateway to men being drawn off into the commercial sex trade industry. Well, it is unbelievable the amount. Um, and it's, it's not the thing that blows me away, too. It's not just non-believers. There are tons of believers that wrestle, uh, conceal, uh, all these different type of things with pornography, and um, it, it's it's unbelievable. One thing too that I mean I've, we've talked about on this podcast before is uh, men being men and women being women, like God created them to be. Yeah. And as as a man, I, you know, and, and and being married, and and it is really, I mean. My wife has challenged me. It was unbelievable. I'll never forget the day. She was it was on the phone with her, and she said, I need you to lead me. This is when we were dating. You know, I need you to step up. I need you to lead me. And it blew me away that someone would say that to me because as a man, and we're supposed to lead the spiritual head of the household, um, we're not acting like God created us to be. And so... As a man, I, I look at that and I almost I have to say, we need to take the responsibility to step up and fulfill our role so that way the woman can fulfill her role. I think about all these different girls that are in these situations 
And I, I would have to be willing to bet somewhere along the line, a man did not step up and fulfill the role that God meant for them to fulfill. They didn't step up and, and act as a man the way God created them to be. And because of that, then a lives, many lives have been affected because of that. And so, you know, we're, we were not created to take advantage of our wife or take advantage of these girls or anything like that. Uh, if we're supposed to treat our wives like Christ loves the church, then he never took advantage of the church. He never used the church for his own advantage. Um, he, he never uh, downed the church, abused the church. He never did any of these things. He was always a servant to the church. So that's one of the things that I guess me, me and my wife are really big on is that we, is being and how God created us to be. And I, I would be willing to bet a lot of times in those situations that a man is doing what they're supposed to be doing. Well, you know, Nick, we, um, Al and I, as we go out and have the opportunity to speak and minister, um, the issue of identity. And, you know, before you can be a father, you have to first be a son. And so it's not the, you know, which one's first, the chicken or the egg. It's not that kind of scenario. Yeah. It is your, we're all first, first born as sons and daughters. And if we're not spiritually um, rooted and grounded as sons, Therefore, that means that we're submitted to a father, to the father, but to a father. And if that father never understood his first position as a son and make that paradigm shift that oftentimes um, the Western culture church has not taught and has not imparted is sonship. You know, Jesus, he no longer calls us slaves, but friends. He no longer calls us slaves because the slave doesn't know what his master is doing, mm -hmm. but we are sons and daughters. You know, we are seen as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Men are supposed to love their wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, presenting her holy, acceptable before the Lord, washing of water by the word. All of those things, yes, that you as a man, that my husband, that men are charged to do, if they didn't have someone teaching them in that, and that is another reason. This is something that you may not feel called at all. Someone listening may not feel called at all to get involved with human trafficking ministry, anti-human trafficking ministry, uh, any of that. But you are called to make a difference in the lives of an individual. You can mentor someone. You can mentor an at-risk teen, a young man who does. Unfortunately, the statistics are just as high in the church as they are in the world mm -hmm. of divorce of broken families, of single mothers, of pornography. It's horrible. And if we can take the time to nurture a young man, and as a man, and establishing him in his identity, understanding authority, understanding that he is called to be a man of authority but submitted to authority first. Mm -hmm. You know, if we would take time to do that, to really disciple. And see, we've got, we've, the Western Culture Church, United States has been real good about evangelism and saving the lost to a degree. We've been really good with that. But I'll tell you where we've fallen short is in discipling, in creating the New Testament church that understands koinonia, which is community, which is weird. It takes a village to raise a child, if I don't want to sound cliche. But to be engaged and involved in the lives of people, not just putting on church faith on Sunday or Wednesday night, but really caring about the path this young man is going down or could potentially go down. Um, you know, like an ounce of prevention 
you know, is worth a pound of cure. If we could get a hold of these young men and women before they're broken, you know, I mean, I personally, get, I grew up in a very safe home. I grew up in a place that was love and nurturing. Um, but I made some poor decisions as a teenager, and it's only by the grace of God. I mean, I can remember being with people where there were, you know, cocaine, drugs, everything around. Well, I knew some of these girls were being prostituted, but God's grace and mercy covered me. Even though I was raised in a good home, I made some decisions that went down the wrong path that led to drug and alcohol addiction. Well, God protected me out of that, but at some point in time, had anyone reached out to me with the gospel of Jesus Christ, I would have known that there were not only options, but that I didn't have to fulfill my life with things that are fading away. I could have filled my life with understanding that I had purpose and destiny. So if no one else hears anything, if you can't comprehend these stats, if you don't feel called to the streets or to housing or to aftercare for these victims, you are called to disciple. Mm-hmm. You're called to rescue before there's need for rescue. Rescue, reach rescue and redeem. Reach with the gospel. Rescue out of darkness and bring into light. Bring them into the redemptive purposes of why God created them and gave them the opportunity to have breath on this earth. Absolutely. Well, and... I mean, if you look at it in uh, Titus, it talks about godly older women, godly older men, and godly younger women yeah. and godly younger men. And I think it's significantly uh, put in there that we're supposed to reach out to, you know, the, the godly younger men and younger women are supposed to reach out to the godly older women and the godly older men. And there's a mentorship that takes place. And I think a lot of times in churches we have a disconnect between um, the younger and the older. And, um, you know, you know what? They may be doing something a little bit different on the Friday night <laughs> kind of thing. But I think, you know, and, it, and it's on both parties. It's on both ends. You know, the, the young people should be reaching out to the old people because they have a wealth of knowledge. But in the same respect, the older people should be reaching out to the younger people. Um, and it may not click the first time. They may look at the and go, what are, you, what are you doing? What are you talking about? But that's what we're supposed to do. And that's where the discipleship, like you were talking about, comes into play. Uh, I think we do a lot of things well in the, in the organized church, but discipleship yeah. as a whole, we stink at it. We, we really do. Well, I, and and it's, it's, we'll get you saved. We'll, we'll even give you a Bible, and then we wish you good luck. Yeah. And, you know, it's doing life together. Um, you know, we used to say, uh, you know, love is spelled T-I-M-E. You know, it's just, sometimes it's just being available. You know, sometimes it's just being available. And because you're walking out your life um, in Christ, you know, there's an impartation. that There's just kind of a rubbing off of who I am. We, we say all the time, there are more things caught than they are taught. You know, there are more things we can catch from hanging around people Um friend of mine has a saying, who wants what you've got? If they see an excitement and a love and not a need to fill their lives with all these worthless things, then they'll begin to see that, you know, there's more to this Christian walk than just going to a building. Yeah. You know, this generation, really, honestly, this generation will be, get behind a cause. This generation wants justice and righteousness. Now, what their definition of justice or someone's definition <laughs> of justice is, especially when we look at some of the Supreme Court rulings we've had, um, recently, um, we really got back to the true definition of what righteousness and justice are and um, what true love is. Really, I posted on Facebook the other day, is, you know, it's, it's about really defining what love really is. You know, 
Love hung on the cross, love rose again on the third day, love came to empower us um, to live on this earth, to, to bring forth, you know, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, um, you know, in heaven there's no abuse. In heaven uh, we serve a good father, uh, just so we did. So many of these girls and boys who are drawn off into sex trafficking, they do not have an example of what an earthly father looks like. Sure. Therefore, a good earthly father. Therefore, um, it, it already puts a blockade up in their ability to understand and comprehend in their minds, not by the Spirit, but in their minds, what the Heavenly Father would be like. Because every earthly image of a man in authority has not been healthy for them. Oh, absolutely. So as men, as women, you know, as men, as women, as we can model that, um, you know, we can do a lot to help uh, bring prevention. And also, just to bring out into the open, look, I, you know, I was raised in a generation, especially my parents' generation, there were things that were just not talked about. If we can't, if you are over the age of 50 and you're hearing my voice, um, you know, we've just got to get rid of all the taboos. I mean, we've got to be willing to talk about sex. We've got to be willing to talk about identity. We've got to be willing to talk about those conversations that may not be comfortable for us. But Jesus never called us to comfortable Christianity. He called us a radical expression of love, of grace and truth. Um, and so, you know, uh, I grew up in a generation where, you know, talking about sex or money or politics or religion was like the pink elephant in the living room. We just kind of ignored it and hoped it would go away. Um, and, and this generation, it, it's in their face. Yeah. Nothing in, I mean, we've, you know, we're tatted and pierced. And, you know, I mean, we need to get relevant in our conversation of being willing to open up our life. Because, we, but because a generation, older generation, you talk about we carry a wealth, they carry a wealth of knowledge and experience. It may not be packaged the way this generation has it, but I'm just saying don't be intimidated and let that keep you from trying to reach this younger generation. Well, here's the thing, too. If we don't, if we don't talk about it, somebody else is going to, and they're going to talk about it in such an incorrect manner that is so skewed from what it's supposed to be like, and because we didn't say anything, then whoever it is that's listening is going to go, oh, well, that just must be the way that it's supposed to be. When we're sitting back going, no, 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 it's not supposed to be like that. Oh, well, why didn't you say so? Why didn't you speak up? Um, yeah, and those things, I mean, yeah, I'm the same way. When I was growing up, you don't talk about that stuff. You know, you leave that alone. Um, but now, you know, you start to look at it, and if you don't talk about it, then you're, you're almost doing more harm than not saying anything. Um, Look, we've pastored, we've been associate pastors for the last eight years. I love the church. Look, I love the body of Christ. I love coming together on Sundays to worship, Wednesday night Bible study. You know, my husband's like, if the door's open, you know, I'll be at church every day. You know, so, I mean, I love the church, and I believe it's, it's a beautiful expression of how God brings and advances his kingdom. But I will say this, uh, my butt in the room is this. If the Western culture church had been really mocking and had been really reaching with the gospel of grace, the gospel of Jesus Christ, um, America would look a lot different. Oh, absolutely. You know, we wouldn't be fighting a lot of the bad. If we had been doing it accurately. So, you know, there's some self-examination that needs to go on in, in, in the Western culture, um, Americanized church. You know, we forget sometimes Jesus was not an American. <laughs> he was a Jewish <laughs> rabbi. He was a Jewish man. And, and he was heartfeltly, he was moved constantly with compassion for those who were either even, either demon-possessed or, or sick or hurting or even a prostitute that was thrown at his 
seat. And he said, you know, daughter, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Mm -hmm. He was the picture. It says in John that, you know, that, that the law and the prophets were until John the Baptist, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. He never backed away. Um, he always extended grace and truth, mercy and compassion. And uh, if we, you know, model model that in our churches, in our homes, at Walmart, wherever you go, uh, you know, this nation, one by one, salt and light would begin to look completely different. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree. Uh, well, thank you so much for sharing all your information. Um, now to talk, do you have any what we call shameless plugs or just plugs that you want to talk about? Any ministries you've mentioned, the R3 um, and you can mention it again if you want to, but anybody you want to say hi to, um, any ministries you want to talk about, websites, anything like that? Yes, absolutely. Uh, first, I'm going to give you our info um, is r3themovement.org. So that's our website, r3themovement. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter. Um, also, my personal um, website for speaking engagements, we are available to travel to speak to bring awareness, is tinatatum.org. Um, you can find us there. And then also we have a prayer network um, because we live in the state of Mississippi. It's called One Voice Mississippi. We're on Facebook um, with that as well, um, leading in prayer movements in our state. Um, so we are thrilled. Um, thank you so much for having us on here. I want to give a shout-out um, to Albert and Brittany Fishburne. We would not have come to know you, Nick, if it weren't through them. At Palmer Home for Children, what an amazing work they do at Palmer Home for Children here. Um, and so we just love them. And so we also have lots of opportunity to minister with people with 51 South Foundation. Check them out on Facebook, on the Internet, EMI, Express Missions International, um, A.C. Curtis. He drew us out. He pushed us out of our nest in this area of human trafficking locally. Really called my husband out into this. And we are so thankful for the Curtis family um, for doing that and for giving their lives um, to reach those who are most destitute in this nation and the nations of the earth. So, um, so yeah, we're really excited. Thank you, Nick, so much for having us. And we'd love to have people not only check out um, our websites, we have opportunities, whether you live locally or you live, you know, across the nation from us, there are opportunities. We have uh, programs like Backpacks for Freedom where you can get engaged in creating backpacks that um, your, your church or your civic group can get involved where we utilize actually on the streets for transition when we do rescue. Um, and so there, check us out on Facebook and on um, the website for how you can be involved. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tina, for being on here today. We appreciate you sharing everything. And, and definitely, I encourage people to please get involved. Uh, at least, at the very least, take a look at the information on there and be in prayer about it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Nick. God bless you, and and keep sharing the good news and the out of the box ministries on your podcast. Sounds good. Thanks for listening in today. Don't forget to check us out online at legacyhelms.org or any of our other platforms such as iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or Player FM. Please subscribe and write a review for us. We want to hear what you have to say. If you need T-shirts for your next big event. We've got you covered. Visit us on the website and click on the t-shirt quote page under t-shirts. If you would like Nick or Kendra to preach at your next retreat, revival, or camp, fill out the contact us form online under preaching. If you want to send us an email and get in contact with us, please do so and send it to legacyhelms at gmail.com. And as always, remember, 
Don't let your meat loaf or your mop flop.